Hey there, I want to take a quick second to thank you for listening to the Focus Point Podcast. I hope that you find a blessing and encouragement through this episode. I hope that you'll share the episode with your family and your friends. If this is one of your first times catching us, or if you want to find out more about us, or if you want to listen to other episodes, please visit thepointoffocus.com, and there you will find our podcast archive as well as more information. Once again, that's thepointoffocus.com, and once again, I thank you for listening to this episode. I am excited to be with you as we continue on in our series in the book of Genesis. Um, If you want to grab your Bibles, I've been encouraging you, grab your Bibles, get your eyes on a copy of the Bible, whether it's electronic or paper, and we look at the New Living Translation of the Bible, and we'll be in Genesis 6 through 9 today, so we'll be kind of hopping around a little bit more than normal, but we will... um, be reading certain chunks of those and we'll kind of be telling the story and we'll kind of be looking at this um, idea that's kind of crept in and it's going to be prominent throughout kind of the rest of the stuff we kind of look at and that's this idea of pride and so let's kind of talk about where we've been all these episodes are on the website thepointoffocus.com this is episode 8 of our Genesis series and so as we've been looking through these in, in these series of episodes that we've been doing, we've seen God speak the earth into existence. We've seen how he's, how he's spoke and how he's formed and how he's made us all unique, how he took his time with us and how we're all his masterpieces and how we were created differently than the, everything else. And so... That was just a special time to look there. And then we saw God, how he set a rhythm for rest. God didn't need to rest, really, uh, after he created everything. But he knew that we would need to as we work and as we kind of do the day-to-day life things. We would need to rest. And then we kind of talked about the paradise that Adam and Eve had. And how they kind of lived in a in a work-free environment. And I say that because I know in Genesis 2, it says that Adam was put in the garden. Adam and Eve really were put in the garden to care and tend for the garden, care for the wild animals and all of that. But as we also looked at after they ate from the tree and their punishments were handed out, that work was now work. And if it was a punishment, it's kind of like when you um, give a punishment out to your kid or when you get a punishment as a kid. Like, if you were already doing it or it didn't matter, like, it wouldn't mean anything. Like, getting grounded from your bike. You don't even have a bike. Like, that's kind of the thing. So, it's like if if God was punishing Adam with work that he already did, it wouldn't really matter to him. So, they, um, so we, we see that kind of environment that they lived in. And they walked with God. They experienced God. But then, as I mentioned, they made that choice and they ate from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that tree is very rightly named as it gave them the knowledge of good and evil. And we see kind of like this first step of, of pride. And I mentioned that Satan was tempting them with this idea of being just like God. Something that got him kicked out of heaven. In the book of Ezekiel, we see how... 
how um, Satan was Lucifer, God's brightest angel, God's kind of second angel. And he wanted to be like God. His pride got in the way and he got kicked out of heaven. And now he comes down and does the same thing to Adam and Eve, tempting them to be like God. And so they wanted to do that and they ate from the tree. They had a choice and God always gives us choices. God gives us choice and there's choices and consequences, good or bad. And I talked a little bit about that as well. How consequences is usually always negative. Do, don't do that or you'll get a consequence kind of idea. But consequence is just the result of a choice. Whatever happens. Like if you choose to drive the speed limit, you're going to not get a speeding ticket. That's the consequence of driving the speed limit. Whereas if you speed all the time, eventually you're going to get a consequence of a ticket, right? That's, that's kind of the idea. And so we've seen all of that and... God had to kick him out of the garden and he dished out some punishments. And then we look at Cain and this idea of pride and ego and jealousy and envy and all just kind of rips through that story as well as Abel gave an offering to God and God accepted that offering because it was his best. And then you see Cain get rejected and his pride and his his envy got in the way and God told him, hey, you have a choice to make. Either you get your sin under control or you're going to wind up in trouble. And Cain wound up killing Abel. And we, and we see that as that's the first murder on earth. But in all of this, God still loved and protected both Cain and Adam and Eve. He gave them clothes to wear. He protected them. Cain, he put a mark on his head. And even though he was kind of like a fugitive and a, a wanderer and homeless and all of that, God still protected them. But these actions, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, more so Adam and Eve because it kind of started this, this snowball on down the hill. It started a downward spiral. And this place that God once looked at as being this, this, this utopia, this, this wonderful place, this very good place as God has described it in uh, Genesis 1. We see God now in Genesis 6 describe it this way. And as we're going to be like in Genesis 6, we're going to be verse 5. The Bible says that the Lord observed the extent of the human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently evil. So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe out this human race that I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy everything. All the people, the large animals, the small animals, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I made them. Now that kind of doesn't sit well, does it? I mean, the creation of the world, and now here we are, this, this, this paradise, this utopia of, of, of just place, of relationship with God, all of this, this, this promised land, really, that God had for Adam and Eve is now this breaking God's heart and God is sorry that he's ever 
created any of this. But it wasn't all bad. As we see in verse 8, it says that, but the Lord found favor with, no, but, sorry, but the Lord, but Noah, sorry, found favor with the Lord. And so now, this is where this kind of trickles in. Was Noah a perfect being? Absolutely not. But maybe God saw his heart a little bit and he was chosen for this, knowing that he would accomplish what God asked for. And so we see this, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and walked in close fellowship with God. And this is a callback. See, God always wants relationships. It's really not about what we do or all of that kind of stuff. It is, but really he wants our relationship with him. And everything else then kind of falls into place. Right? God wanted a relationship with Adam and Eve. God wanted a relationship with Cain and Abel. God wanted a relationship. But as I've as I've said in previously in this series even, we have a choice to either take steps with God and get us closer to God or we have steps that we take that get us farther away from God. But this says that no uh, walked in close fellowship with God. And so with that, God gave him a task. And once again, choice and consequence here comes into play. Pride comes into play. And so we see verse 11, it says, now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they are filled for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out all along. I'm sorry, I'll wipe them out along with the earth. Sorry, I was having trouble reading there for a second. Now this says to me here too that what I what I've said before in the past with with teaching the 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 kids at my church that this idea of the garden being this perfect place because here God mentions all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence meaning that like the snakes and the sharks and the the lions and the tigers and the bears and all of these things didn't know they could eat each other didn't know they could eat human didn't know about prey and didn't know all, all of that stuff this is probably the violence that God was referencing that people were killing people, people were killing this, people, animals, all of this. It's just violence, and God didn't want any more of it. So God gave Adam, uh, Adam, God gave Noah a choice. So God gives him this instructions. Verse 14, it says, Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks installs throughout its interior make the boat get this make the boat 450 feet long 75 feet wide and 45 feet high leave an 18 inch opening at the uh, sorry leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat put a door on the side and build three decks inside the boat lower middle and upper then he repeats it. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy everything that breathes. Everything on earth will die. 
but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you, your wife, and your wife's sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you and keep them alive during the flood. Now, once again, like we've seen in the stories before with um, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, we now see this choice and consequence thing come back into play. Adam and Eve, eat from the tree or don't eat from the tree. That was their choice. Consequence would be stay in the garden forever and live with that relationship with God or eat from the tree and get banished from the garden or die, as God said. Cain and Abel, um, Cain was given a, a choice. Get your anger under control. Get your envy under control. Get your pride under control. And then you will be accepted or don't, and sin is crouching at your door. And Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree, and they were banished from the garden. Cain chose to kill his brother, and he was also banished. And now we've got Noah here. He's, his choice is build the boat, like God said, and survive the flood, or not build the boat and think God is crazy and die in the flood. The reason I say that is, is because as we saw earlier on in this series in Genesis 2, God hadn't sent rain yet. The, the earth like watered itself from underneath, kind of like an underground sprinkler system, right? It, it watered itself. So God is telling Noah to build this boat because it's going to rain and there had never been such a thing before. Rain had not ever happened before. But we see what we see what Noah chooses to do. And um, in uh, Genesis six, sorry, <laughs> stuttered a little bit there. We see verse six twenty-two. So Noah did everything as God had commanded him to do. You see, the thing is, is that. This, this promised land, this, this goal, this dream, this, this thing that Noah had was to survive the flood. And he could have done it any way he chose. But he wasn't going to survive the flood without the boat. God told him what to do. And God encourages us in the same way. So that's one of the things I see in this story is God tells us what he wants, but he can't make us do it. Like, he can't make us choose the way that will make us successful or choose the way that will make us get to that goal or that dream or that ambition or whatever we're looking for. He can't make us do it. And so that is why sometimes it takes us longer, maybe, to get to our quote-unquote promised lands as we're using in this year-long series that we're going to be in. And so this is what happens to us sometimes. And maybe just like I've said in the past in this series, like we can make choices to take steps toward God and what he has for us or steps away from God in what he has for us. As we saw with Adam and Eve, they chose to make a choice that pulled them away 
and they didn't get to live in there in that garden and because Noah did what God commanded he was kept safe from the flood imagine if we could get that down I mean that's what we've been talking about just do what God says I mean we're not perfect I mean the only one that ever did everything that God said was Jesus and as I said earlier in this episode Noah wasn't Jesus okay Noah wasn't perfect he had just found favor in the eyes of God it doesn't mean he was perfect it doesn't mean he had not sinned or not done anything wrong up until this point he was just kind of and I'm going to say it this way I don't know how it's going to sound but he was the the best of the worst in this case God chose him and so this is what we see And like I said, imagine the trouble we could save ourselves. God tells us what we need to know in the Bible. God's giving clear instruction on a lot of things in the pages of the Bible. If we would just look at those things, you know, we we sometimes struggle with, well, I just don't know what to do, or I just don't know how to... And it's in the the pages of Scripture, because Noah could have sat down. And I think of the movie Evan Almighty, right, when he's building this boat, right? And Evan's like, oh, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the tools. I don't have this. I don't I don't um, see how to, like, I can't make this do this. I can't do that. That's a big, massive boat. But And Noah could have been done the same thing. Noah could have been like, I'm building this boat because it's going to rain. I have never seen rain before. I don't even know what that does. How much time do I have? Where does this go? This is a big boat that God is telling me to build. And that just all of that and he could have talked himself out of it but the bible just says god noah did exactly what god told him to do and he found success and he got to this promised land that was the other side of the flood and that's why i've said since the beginning of this series we're talking about this this idea of promised land um and we're journeying with this story up until Israel enters the promised land in the book of Joshua and we're we're kind of trekking that way but i also said that their promised land that was the goal that's what god had for them that's where god had promised them they would be where they would live where they could dwell and god has those promised lands for us too whether the, the promised land is something that's going to happen tomorrow or whether it's a dream or a goal or a vision or a plan or whatever that that we have that we want to accomplish with God's help, we'll get to that promised land. But we have to take the steps that God encourages us to take. And God will get us to that promised land. And Noah could have done it the hard way, but Noah just did exactly what God said. And so that's that's kind of that. But there's also another thing in God's in um, Noah's story that I want to uh, share and that I believe is um, appropriate for for what we're talking about is because it's, it's this trust in God. Right. God made a couple promises in this story. God promised that he was going to flood the earth. God promised also that he would never flood the earth again. And we see that in Genesis 9. Um, As I said, we were kind of going to hop all over. So now we're in Genesis 9, and we're in verse 12. Now, after spending a year on the boat, 10 months or so to a year, uh, we see 
in Genesis 7 and 8 that he enters the boat when he was 600 years old and he gets off the boat when he's 601. So at some point, Noah had a birthday on the boat. Okay, Whether they were on the boat a complete year, whether they were on it 10 months, 9 months, it doesn't matter. Okay, But they spent a long time on that boat. And so once they get off, right, the water recedes. It takes the time to do that. And then God gives Noah a promise. God says, verse 12, then God said, I'm giving you my sign. I'm giving, sorry, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and all living creatures for generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send it, when I send the clouds over the earth, a rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant with you and all living creatures. Never again will flood waters destroy the earth. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember my eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, "Yes, this rainbow is the sign of my covenant." I am, keep, I am confirming with you in all creatures on the earth. So I see this. Um, this kind of goes with what we've talked about. Is God keeps his promise. Now, some would say and some would have a problem with what I'm about to say. But God made other promises. God, um, This was God's first like thing that is listed as a promise. A covenant. Right? It's It's a very big agreement and a big promise and so God um, is making this promise but before he made other kind of under the like radar promises if you will because God told Adam and Eve kind of in a promising way hey you eat from that tree you're gonna die it wasn't like drop dead kind of idea but they were going to die eventually and they were subject to human death now so that was kind of a promise i vision it as a promise god's words are sometimes like promises god said you're gonna die if you eat from that tree and they did and they did this is god promising noah in this right here in the first nine chapters of the bible and I've said this to the, the group of kids I volunteer with. I've said this to anybody that will listen. Is that this is God's credit score. God's credit score is perfect. God is promises are one for one in this. He's 100%. Okay? Because this promise hinges all other promises. God said he wasn't going to flood the earth again. And to my knowledge, there has never, ever, 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 ever been a global flood that wiped out the entire earth there's localized flooding there there's massive floods and things that take place especially by the bodies of water and all of that but that's not a global flood and god's promise right here gives us an idea of who god is and that is a god that keeps his promises god told noah to build a boat and he would be kept safe and god kept him safe that's a promise. Hey, build this boat. Do do your part and I'll keep you safe. I promise to keep you safe. 
Then, after the flood, God gave Noah and everybody else, anytime we see a rainbow in the sky, it's God reminding us, hey, it rained and the earth didn't flood. That's me keeping my promise to you. And God made it clear with that rainbow. And then God has made many other promises throughout Scripture, but God's credibility right here with his promises started with this rainbow, and I'm never going to flood the earth again. And God has kept that promise. God has kept other promises too. And a lot of the reason why sometimes I, I think that we look at God as not a promise-keeping God is because some of the things that we that happened to us are our choice, but we blame it on God. Like like Adam and Eve, they, they started blaming, right? They started blaming things on each other and that it was everybody's fault. Well, God, if you, you know, the only thing they didn't say is, well, God, if you wouldn't have put that tree in the garden, we wouldn't have ate from it. We wouldn't have been tempted. We wouldn't have been, we wouldn't be here. And it's kind of like what we do now. Well, God, if you would just do this, or if you would just make them act a certain way, or if you would just like change their mind or change the way they do things, or if they would just do things my way, or if, if this wouldn't have happened, that I could have done all of this stuff. And we just blame it on God for not keeping his promise, right? God, you promised to keep me safe. God, you, I prayed and you, like you said you would heal and, and all of the, and you didn't heal. You didn't keep your promise to me. God keeps his promises to us. He said he wasn't going to flood the earth again, and he didn't. And so God, to my, to my knowledge and to my understanding, that shows me that God has and always will keep his promises. He kept his promise to, to Cain. I mean, there's a promise there. Hey, Sin is crouching at your door if you don't get your anger under control. And sin was crouching at his door. It's almost like when God says something like that, it's a promise. And this, I'll never flood the earth again. In a couple weeks, we're going to see another promise that God made. And then other little promises along the way as, as we kind of venture into Israel's story and all of that as a part of this overall series. But I'm just here to tell you, and I hope these words encourage you, and I hope they lift you up, and I hope that all of this has kind of made sense as I've condensed this story into two pretty much points, that God tells us what he wants us to do. If we want to get to our promised land with God's help, we got we to gotta look and see what he does. We got to look and see what he has for us. We got to look to see the way he would have us do things. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we try and make changes, or we try and help God and we try and do these different things because you know Noah could have been like well well I don't know if I should put let's just build one little flat boat and not build it so tall and not build it so long and all of you know he could have made changes he could have argued he could all of that but he didn't he did exactly what God said to do and then the second one is that God keeps his promises and I hope that that lifts you up that that God is a God is a promise keeping God he keeps his promise he, he promised to send a Messiah and he sent Jesus and he promised that that would take away, that that person would take away the sins of the world. And he did. But I know that's true 
because of this story here in Genesis 9. I know that God did all of all the other things that the Bible says he was going to do because of this one promise that we can still see to this day. That God never has flooded the earth again. What an awesome God we have. He tells us and shows us how to do life and he keeps his promises. I hope that that encourages you. I hope that you go away with a with a new look at how God keeps his promise and how God watches out for us and how God takes care of us and how God loves us very much. So I hope you'll come back next week as we close off this initial series here in the book of Genesis. Um, we'll be looking at Genesis 11 uh, next week, and then we're going to go into a new series on Abraham. So I'm excited for that. I hope you'll come back. I hope you'll join us. Oh, by the way, um, Genesis 6 through 9 is where you find Noah's story. If you want to read that in its entirety um, and kind of just see what God has for you in that story, um, Genesis 6 through 9 for the story of Noah. But um, once again, I hope that these words have encouraged you and bless you. And I will see you back next week. <laughs>